Mini Life, your favorite classic mini podcast on the web. We have a sweet one today. Don Racine from Mini Mania is here. He's going to talk about, one, how he started Mini Mania. Uh, two, about racing, which is super cool. He's been racing for a very long time. Um, so I'm very excited to hear that story and share it with you guys. Um, we hit a huge milestone uh, as this podcast is being recorded. We hit uh, a thousand listens or downloads or whatever the podcast uh, world calls it. Uh, so super cool. Thank you so much for the support. Please go share it with your friends. Let's blow this thing up. Let's get some more uh, people on this podcast and share their stories. Uh, enjoy the show. Stay tuned. Email me theminilife37 at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram, minilife.37. And like I said, enjoy the show. All right. I think we are live here. We have a special guest, Mr. Don Racine. Thank you for being on, sir. How are you today? Uh, Not bad. Not bad for a Sunday morning. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Don, I don't know if you've seen the show yet or heard it, but um, there's been... You know, we do video. Not everyone watches the video, but um, there's been a contest, I guess, of the coolest background. And I think now you took the cake here. There's been a lot of uh, guests on with their minis in the background. And I see that uh, the garage there with the yellow mini in the back. It looks awesome. Yeah, it'll become a race car here. Not before too long. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, uh, again, I appreciate you for coming on here, and um, I think this is going to be a cool episode. Uh, I really want to kind of dive into your, your race history, and obviously we can't uh, talk to you without touching on Mini Mania and uh, kind of how that started. But, you know, I I followed Mini Mania for a long time. I had a, my first car was a, a BMW Mini, so I naturally found Mini Mania for parts and things like that. And finally, when I got my uh, classic Mini, Obviously, Mini Mania has classifieds and, and articles and parts and everything. So um, I appreciate all that you guys do for Mini Mania. So I, I couldn't not have you on this podcast. So again, thank you very much. How long have you had your classic Mini? I got my first one in 2016 or 17, I think. Um, okay. Yeah. How many, so had it. How, many, how many have you had? So I have two. I have um, uh, the Rover Mini, um, and I followed Mini Mania's article. I believe you wrote it on SPI to uh, carb conversion. So I have that one. And then uh, last year I found like a a garage find, a barn find, if you will, of a a, a Mark I Austin Cooper S. So um, it uh, is a apparently it was a race car it had like plexiglass windows and stuff like that but it's a it's a shell and has the engine and everything outside of it so it's it's a big project does it have a roll bar in it it doesn't have a roll bar in it but it looks like it had provisions for like different seats and harnesses and stuff like that the it's pretty much just a shell but um yeah, it definitely it came with a bunch of parts and uh, like the Weber cutout, and so I can't. I'm trying to find the history on it, so we'll see one day if I can search down the previous owner. Um, I think it was like a family friend that inherited or something like that. But I think it was a California car its whole life, so who knows? It doesn't have a lot of rust, then. No, not really. It um, the only thing it had a little bit in the battery box, so easy enough to replace, um, and it was 
just the the seam the vertical seams were de-seamed so there's like little little spots there so that's going to be a headache but we'll see <laughs> see how it goes no, 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 no. um so let's get into it a little bit i want to know i want to know kind of a broad question but how did you get into minis what was your first kind of memory of minis what attracted you to them i think i've told this story more than once but i'll tell it again anyway when i was uh, a whole bit younger i was racing in the east coast uh, racing a 356 porsche and um for business reasons for livelihood reasons i decided i had to move to california put another one out here and it wasn't very shortly thereafter that um, the insurance company said, oh, you're a kid and you're in California and you're driving a Porsche. We got you. And I decided, <laughs> you know, this was crazy. I couldn't afford that insurance. And I remembered when I was racing back there in the East Coast, the only thing that used to beat me was a little gray-haired old man in a Mini Cooper. And now I am one. <laughs> I bought the Mini so, and never looked back. Um, I think within a year I had three. Um, wow. And then kept going from there. And what year was this um, when you moved to California and switched oh, over to Minis? I, I want to say it was like 72. Um, and I started the business in 74 and I, was, I had them for at least a year or two years before then. Um, so well, what I'm got sure you into racing? Right. You, you, you grew up in a racing family and no, I didn't grow up in a racing family. I just had the ambition to do it and I did it. So, so you said 72 ish, 74, you started mini mania. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, like I said, I, I kind of followed you a while, so I've definitely heard some interviews or read, read some articles, um, kind of understand the reason why you started it but most of our listeners might not i know we have a lot of people in the uk and stuff like that mini mania is definitely a household name in the united states but what inspired you to start mini mania i was on the west coast and there was nobody on the west coast selling mini parts and it was a struggle to get parts um and i had the opportunity to travel to the uk um a number of times before i actually bought my mini through business through other business things and got to know mm -hmm. some people over there, and it became relatively easy to start bringing parts in. And I started out bringing parts in my garage, and and it grew from there. I think I stayed in my garage for a year or so. And then I hired somebody else to help, and it grew and grew and grew. Wow. I, I guess they say all the great uh, companies start in their garage, right? Exactly right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's why i had a business over in hawaii and we rented a uh, storage unit garage and kind of ran it out of that for a while because you know uh, real estate and, and rent is very expensive there as well so <laughs> yeah yeah not a, not a cheap place to live worse than california yeah. how's that yeah it did it, it's hard to believe but yes it is <laughs> so with uh racing um you started racing kind of just on your own, uh, you know, desire to. You're racing Porsches. You, where at in the East Coast were you racing? New England, Boston area. New England? Yeah, up in New England. Okay. Yeah. And is this like circuit racing? Where you Did you start off in autocross? I, I How did started you start off in autocrossing. Yeah, yeah. The, the, 
the first, uh, the, yeah, yeah, I did a lot of autocrossing over the years. Um, in California, I, I also autocrossed a, um, a killer moke that I had built. You were autocrossing a moke? Yeah, I had a crossflow, eight port crossflow head in it, and there were 10 inch wide tires, 10 by 13. Oh, wow. Um, it was wow. Formula 5000 slicks that I ran on it. And um, even at Cal Expo, where the track is very, very fast, was very, very fast in the days, I could outrun Corvettes with it. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. The short story about that moke, by the way, is that I sold it, I don't know, a long time ago. And probably six, eight years ago, somebody called me and said that he wanted my help in selling a moke that he had. And I said, well, I'll bring it to the racetrack and let me look at it. Well, I brought it to the racetrack. And, of course, my son races with me, too. So, um, But I, he brought it to the racetrack, and it was a very reasonable price. And my son looked at it and said, Dad, that was your old moke. I want it back. So he now is in the process of restoring that moke. Oh, wow. He he recently got it back. Yeah, well, That's we bought awesome. it back that, that weekend from the guy at the racetrack. So, yeah. Oh, man, that's cool. That's a cool yeah, story. Yeah. The first Mini I ever bought was a 997. Um, I bought it from a, a lady that was um, involved in racing. Um, the 997, um, as you may know, was not a very popular car. In mm -hmm. fact, I'm now in the process of restoring one. Um, not the one you see behind me, though. Not that one. Um, the okay. one behind, you, behind me is a race car, or will be a race car. Uh, the 997, um, I think I kept it for a fair period of time and then dropped the bigger motor in it, of course. Um, and I think at the, almost the same time, I bought a, a wagon for my wife, uh, a woody wagon for my wife, and another street moke. Um, I bought, I, th I think I bought my first moke in about 73. And uh, I've kept that. I still have that moke. Wow. Yeah. It still has the original paint on it. Doesn't have the original motor in it, but it has the original paint on it. It had an 850 in it, and I drove that in, in California highways for must have been 10 years. Finally, blew up that motor before it couldn't wow. couldn't keep up anymore. Well, it kept up, but it kept blowing up. So I ended up, I ended up putting <laughs> a, a 1275 in it, and then a, a number of years later, I don't even remember when, uh, probably in the 90s, I would guess. Um, we decided to develop a supercharger kit for the Mini, the classic Mini. And um, we were doing one for a small bore motor and one for a 1275. Small bore was the one we first developed. And the prototype of that unit was put in the Moke. And I drove that for 15 years with a supercharged 970 brass motor in that one. Did you race that Moke too? No. No, that was strictly uh, a streetcar. Sounds like a fun streetcar. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and in fact, I, I ended up pulling it out because my wife, it's, it was very difficult to drive on the street. I mean, it's at 970, which has to rev like mad. It's a supercharged motor. Uh, it just wasn't a fun streetcar. So I finally pulled that out a couple of years ago and put in a very, very stock, very tall final drive gear. 1275 in it now it's just an easy commute you run around car 
Nice little cruiser. Yeah. yeah, that's a definitely a bucket list car for me is a moat, you know, especially in California. I live in Southern California, so yeah. a fun little one to cruise PCH, something like that. That would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about, if you remember, what your first, like, kind of real race was. I know you started in autocrossing. Um, your first kind of racing, was it with the Porsches? No, and then, no. Um, the first... Uh, you know, when we were autocrossing the East Coast, you would run on a racetrack. It was more like solo one than it was autocrossing. Um, okay. And, and the West Coast, everything was a parking lot type autocross. Um, right. And, you know, I don't remember exactly. Um, I had a had a um, Cooper S that I was, um, I don't know, they called it national championships at the time or not. Um at least a West Coast champion autocross class. It was a, a J production class car. Um, and I think it was probably after that that I decided to go racing. Um, and all of it was in vintage racing at the time. Um, in fact, when I first started vintage racing, they wouldn't even allow a Mini to run. I ran it a couple of times. And, oh, here's another quick short story for you. Um, I don't remember when. I guess I had already been racing for a year or so. And my son decided to build a car. And I must have hurt mine or something. I don't know. All I remember is that I borrowed his car and um, insisted that we put a limit slip in it because he didn't have a limit slip. And I knew that I couldn't possibly race without a limit slip. So we put a limit slip in the car. And um, uh, most most stories I've heard about people racing cars Say they loaned their car to the son and they wrecked it. Well, I did the opposite. I borrowed my son's car and wrecked it. So I thought that would turn around and play a play. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? What, what uh, happened? You, you just know, got a little rowdy? Actually, we were at Sears Point and a guy, you know, the mini, when you turn the mini, it turns, but it will actually push at times. And particularly in the old days when before we really understood how to set up a car the way we do today. Um, you know, I was going into turns seven at Sears and I was going on the inside, which is always my favorite place to be on the inside of a corner. And, and um, an MGA decided that he go around the outside of me and didn't give me any room and the car just pushed right into him. Oof. Yeah, yeah, nothing I could do about it. But anyway, he actually, wow. my daughter still has that car. That car stayed in, stayed sure. in the family. Um, my son is now driving one of my other cars, one of my old cars that I've had for a million years. Um, and my daughter started driving that race car that, that my son had built. So She's racing it or just cruising? She was around? racing it. Uh, she hasn't raced in the last couple of years, but she was racing it. And it's still a race car. It doesn't stop being a race car. I mean, it's not street legal by any means. <laughs> so... Um, how many of your uh, kind of those original cars that you first started getting the first minis do you still have? I, you well, mentioned the, the Monte. I still have, of course. That's that was the uh, first race car I had was a Monte. What we we decided to build a car for um, show, um, and we decided to build a replica of the Monte Carlo car, one of the Monte Carlo cars, LBL sixty, mm -hmm. and um, we built it. And it was just an absolutely gorgeous car and decided it was, it was, you know, had full cage and a full bar and it was race ready. And that's the one we decided to race first, actually. Um, and we raced that, that for forever. 
Um, but it was the very first, um, I don't know if it was the very first one, but it was one of the very early minis to try to win vintage racing. And in the very, very early days, uh, they wouldn't allow a mini. I mean, it was too early. I mean, it was only, they were still producing them and the whole bit. And it wasn't old enough to suit them. And they thought it was too easily modified, too easy to cheat and make a car faster than the competition, et cetera, et cetera. So I ended up racing a few other cars in the mean. Um, and then, um, I don't remember, again, I lose track of time easy at my age. Um, but at one point, my son decided, we had the, the, the uh, 177, the Monte Carlo car, wasn't being raced at the time because I was racing other cars. And then um, he decided he wanted to go racing. And um, thus, we put that one back on the track, and I bought another one for myself, and then another one, and another one, and another one. And so... That's me. I think I have. Uh, it's the Monte Carlo, the one seventy seven number one. That's the one you're talking about. Yeah, that's the one. That, that was my first race car, first mini race car. I don't, I don't know if I have. If you can see it on my wall, I do have a, a like a, a poster of it. It's kind of like in the corner here, but I also have have the little oh, uh, Lego yeah. version of it too, <laughs> sitting on my desk. <laughs> my son has become the, the real um, keeper of that car, and it's just. You know, going to his office and it's just nothing but the car, pictures of the car and trophies he's won. And he's done quite well in that car over the years. He's a very talented driver. That's fantastic. That's awesome to hear. I like I like those stories that you kind of, uh, you're not just buying and selling them. You really have kind of some connections to them as well. well the, his, kind of hard to without the mini. The mini kind of does that too, I feel like. <laughs> I, I think for me, the biggest part of it is the history. You know, I, I'm fortunate that, a number of my cars have some real history now. You know, the the Monte car was a replica, but if we think about the fact that it was raced in the mid seventies, I think was the first logbook was in the mid seventies with it that we created. It now has history. That's that's forty years old. Um, yeah, you know, and it's not quite as old as a couple of my other ones that I have from a, a historical standpoint. I've got some that were raced in the late sixties. But, but they were real race cars, real, you know, what, what is not, what is real today? And, you know, vintage is very much real. Um, but these cars were raced in, in the Midwest Council or in SCCA, et cetera, back in the late 60s. Yeah, see, I think that's that's so cool when you kind of find that um, uh, the podcast that's coming out uh, tomorrow, um, a gentleman, uh, I think, you you might have interacted with him. His name's Marco Carrera, and um, his uh, rally mini. We were talking about the history of that, and, and all the articles it's been in, and all the uh, you know awards it's won, and races it's won. It's super cool. That's why I really want to try to dig a little deeper, see if I can find. You know, I don't think my S had any significant history, but I think it was raced around California. And I think that's kind of cool. That's yeah, the, I mean, the stories behind the car. That's definitely yes, cool. And I think it's important for us that, to preserve that history and to keep all that together. I mean, I, I, I think the cars is, is are great, but the history is even better. So if you don't keep the history with the car, then it's crazy. When I, uh, I agree. I, I had a, something called a Deutsche Bonnet, um, which is a French car. And um, I, I ended up into a museum back in Tennessee. Um, and the neat part about it is they got all the history of the car. Um, you know, they got all the log books that I had, all the 
the uh, when I went back and saw it again a couple of years ago. I mean, it still has my seat in it. it has all my my stickers on it on the, the um, wall bar, etc. So it's nice to keep the history with the cars. It is. I agree. I think that's, I mean, that's why I started this podcast is because I wanted to hear the stories behind the cars. I mean, we could talk about, you know, minis all day long and, and uh, what different types and all that kind of stuff, but the stories behind them are super cool. And that's why I was really interested in, you know, sitting down and chatting with you because I know you, you probably have a lot more stories than that, uh, you know, Instagram hasn't heard, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of the, the scene nowadays is, you know, the internet with social media and stuff like that. You know, everyone's doing these cool outlandish builds, which are definitely cool. But, um, you know, I think the history of the mini kind of gets lost a little bit. Just it's kind of turning into uh, another car out there just for clout. And, uh, you know, I kind of want to bring back the the history of it and these stories and kind of bring them to light. Yeah, we're we're losing a lot of the people that were uh, part of that history. It's sad to say, and I think back over the last number of years and number of people that have passed away and have were part of that history, generating that history, at least here in the US. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid we are losing some of that. And I'm hopeful that somehow, some way, all that gets laid down in some place and is weird. Um, that's, that's really what the cars are all about is the history. Definitely. Definitely. And that's, uh, like I said, that's why I'm kind of doing what I'm doing. And I know a lot of people are out there, you know, engine swapping this and that and the other thing. And that's why I kind of try to be a a little bit of a purist just because I like to, there's, these cars are old now and there's definitely some history behind them. And I think it's important to kind of, you know, carry that legacy on. So. Yeah. Well, I think there's a place for everything, you know, and and obviously the, uh, the swapping of motors and, and doing things like that is it's a place for that. Uh, you know, after all, they, of course. they built over 5 million of these things and all of them don't have history. Of course. But, uh, of course, you, of course. You can take an SPI car and put a VTEC in it. I don't care. Uh, I, just, I, just, <laughs> I just don't want you to do that with a Mark 1. That's all. Oh, of course not. Yeah. yeah. No, my uh, SPI car, I was like, ah, I've. At first, I was like, oh, it's, you know, whatever, whatever, SPI. But then I was like, oh, I mean, I guess it is technically a Rover Cooper. So yeah, maybe I'll have value one day. But it's, you know, I don't know. So I like I like the A-Series. But uh, that's, you know, another story, I guess. <laughs> so um, I know we kind of talked a little bit about racing. Yeah. You've, you've mentioned a few different things so far. Tell me how or a little bit of your process of how you um, – kind of prepare for races um and like what goes into getting the classic mini ready for for racing well i don't want to be discouraging but um you got to remember that racing is an excuse to spend money (laughs) so uh and uh, it's very difficult to do it on a shoestring but in the same breath if you compare preparing a mini to race versus almost any other car except maybe a formula v um they're a very rational way to do it. Um, you know, you gotta, I always tell everybody concentrate on the safety things and the, the um, reliability things and learn how to drive first and then worry about making it go fast. Um, you know, you can spend $40,000 on a motor if you want to. Um, but if you don't know how to drive it, it won't make any damn bit of difference. Um, the, um, setting up, a the suspension 
and a, and a, even a rational way, a, a very conservative way. And, and most of the vintage groups are require a relatively conservative uh, suspension. You can't go radical with coilovers and all that kind of stuff. So, and and the mini doesn't have a lot of options for um, suspension. You know, you're gonna for the most part you're gonna run the rubber cones. Uh, you can do camber caster toe, and that that's a critical part of it. But whether or not you have the understanding of exactly how that's set up or not isn't critical to get out there and run. Um, you know, the, the the longer you're out there, the faster you want to go, and um, therefore you will require some sophistication and understanding how to set up the car. Um, but you know, you put a roll bar in it. Um, you know, the transponders are not cheap these days to put a transponder in it, which is how they keep track of your lap times. Um, but it's really not that terribly expensive to get out there and at least try it. Yeah, I know. And, and that's kind of something that maybe my goal is in the next year or so is just to kind of get out there, throw, like you said, throw a roll bar in there. Uh, my My SPI car, that's now a carb, is, you know, it's just got a 1275 and the basic... Um, suspension mods and I'm not trying to make it anything crazy. I just want to, you know, get some autocross in or something like that. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and kind of yeah. a little more safe I, than the canyons. I, I would advocate that an autocross is not a bad training ground. Uh, it is not, it teaches some, some car control. Right. Um, and you know, if you can do solo one, which I think they still do here on the West coast someplace, um, that at least gets you on a racetrack, so you get a little bit of uh, appreciation of speed. Uh, the big thing you lack in any of that kind of event is the fender to fender, wheel to wheel racing that you get when you go racing, and that's right. another learning. That's another learning experience to go through. Um, the uh, opportunities are a lot. Uh, one of the things you, you mentioned, your SPI car. I'm not so sure the SPI car would be accepted in. Maybe in Vera and your your Southern California group, they might. Right. But up here, as an example, they wouldn't accept an SPI car. Hmm. It has to be, has to be a Mark One, basically a Mark One car. Um, you know, something. Is there with, a year cutoff? Uh, they don't say that per se. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, sixty-seven, sixty-eight, and there are really? there are there are a couple sixty-eight cars running. Um, but that's not true necessarily across the country, and and in. I'm relatively sure, and I don't want to speak for Vera, but I'm relatively sure that Vera, the group down in Southern California, would not impose that restriction. Yeah, that's um, interesting because, you know, generally they're, you know, similar. You could have a, still have the A-series. They're the same, they're the same car. You're right. Right. One has, one has roll-up windows, one has sliding windows. So, right, you know, right. <laughs> most part, roll-up window cars are not accepted. Oh, man, I'm going to have to switch my doors out. <laughs> I'll just run your new Mark One, your Mark One that you have. Fix that up, make it put it back into a race car. There we go. Right, hey, that's you, the plan. You could autocross the SPI car all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would like to kind of thrash the SPI car uh, in autocross, and I don't know. The the scary part is the S going wheel to wheel. That would be kind of scary, but uh, but you know, you yeah, never know. Yeah. I think that's the plan to kind of bring it back to its glory of um, racing. So. Yeah, I have to admit it's painful. I've I've damaged a few cars in my day, and it's painful to do that. Yeah. But I always say that they are a car and it can be fixed. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. Only had 
I've only had one car that I had to throw away that got so badly damaged I had to throw it away. Um, but it had that one had well, it had history to it, but it wasn't a particularly nice car, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it didn't hurt too badly when I had it. What it caused away. it to be so bad? I mean, you could practically buy from Mini Mania every uh, uh, panel possible for the car. Uh, it was full of Bondo. <laughs> and, uh, it hit the wall. I mean, I, I I bought it with Bondo in, and I didn't. None of my cars have Bondo in it except that one. <laughs> um, it hit the wall at turn ten at Sears at um, eighty ninety mile an hour. Oof! And it just absolutely destroyed it. And it could have been fixed, but I bought another one for half the price that I could have fixed that one for. Ah, makes sense. In fact, the one you see behind me is replacing that one that got damaged. Yeah, that thing's cool. If, for those that are just listening, he has like a yellow uh, Mark One Mini that's like a shell almost. Uh, I can't tell if there's subframes or anything, but it's, it's no, the nice. Subframe is, the subframe is right there. Okay, I see it now. <laughs> is there. That's the, subframe, the front subframe is built. I need to get that in the car, but um, it's not ready yet. I got other things to do first. So. So what are some of the biggest differences in your race mini versus just a standard kind of daily driver? I know like there's like we kind of touched on some of the suspension mods and stuff like that. What kind of really sets it apart? Well, the engine. In all fairness, the engine is what sets it apart. Uh, The suspension mods, uh, you mentioned that you've done some to your car. They're off the shelf type suspension mods. Nothing special Mm -hmm. about them at all. Um, Hmm. Um, you know, it's how you set them up that makes the difference. Yeah, we're not allowed to change pickup points. We're not allowed to do some really radical things that could make the car different. Um, but we're running stock Cooper S brakes. Nothing special about the brakes, any place. Um, you know, the the um, adjustable arms that are on it are standard mini spares available, mini mini available uh, arms that are available, front and rear. Um, so from a suspension standpoint, there's nothing. Um, I personally believe that you have to have a sway bar on it. So we add sway bars to them only for the rear. I don't do anything in the front, although some people do. Uh, I think one of my cars does have a front bar on it, but yeah. Anyway, um, so from that standpoint, you don't do anything different. Um, a roll bar is, is mandatory. A roll cage is best. And in fact, had that car that was demolished had a full cage in it instead of a bar in it, it might have survived. Um, I won't build another one without a full cage in it. Uh, in fact, you can buy the full cage from Minimania, amongst other places. It's just a bolt-in cage. There's nothing to do. It's bolted in. Yeah, easy. Easy, right. Um, and other than that, the, the real trick is strictly the engine. Engine and transmission. And what, what do you do to that? I know, obviously, we probably bore it out and that kind of stuff. Spend money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really depends. It, it, you know, I, I've got I, a number of the cars that I have, I rent out for rentals. And um, in those cases, the motors are relatively mild motors. Um, you could run some of those on the street. That's how mild they are. And it's still a fun car to drive. You're simply not going to be at the front of the pack with those cars. When it, first of all, they're typically drivers that don't know minis in the first place, right? And right. secondly, um, they're just out to have fun. You know, if you want to be in the front, you're going to spend some money on a power unit. You know, trick gearbox, a trick engine, good crankshaft, good cylinder head. 
connecting rods, pistons, camshaft, um, you name it, you know, belt drive cam, uh, six inch connecting rods, uh, Carrillo or arrow connecting rods, um, a billet crankshaft, uh, cylinder heads are a real problem these days. Uh, the, the one that's gaining most favor because of availability is the, the race aluminum head that many, many offers. Um, it's a um, night, it's an off the shelf alternative. That's a good head. It isn't greatest in the world, but it's a good head and you can buy it. Um, so, and all the parts that go into the power unit are readily available. Uh, and power and, tr and transmission are really relatively available. Um, so, you know, it's just really a question of, again, I would advocate anybody get started, don't bother with all that stuff. Learn how to drive and learn what the car can do and then you can graduate into that if you decided you're really serious about it. And so, you know, I, you've touched on a ton about that, but is there like a specific uh, engine size that basically you would say is going to uh, nope. make you be competitive in this vintage racing? Well, it obviously has to be a 1275. And for the most part, they're like 60 overs. Okay. Um, you know, the, the letter of the law, I think, says in most, in a lot of groups, not in most groups, in a lot of groups, the letter of the law says there has to be 47, no more than 47 over. Um, but that isn't a easy, easy to achieve uh, number since they come in 20, 40, 60 oversized. Right, uh, right, right. So, I mean, I've got, I've got motors that, I don't think I've got any 20 overs, but I've got a number of 40 over motors and a number of um, 60 over motors and, and people have been known to run 1380s. Um, they're not quite as reliable because of their high compression. You know, we, we all strive to get as much compression as we can. That's horsepower in these cars. Mm -hmm. So. And so what's the kind of line that you have to tiptoe, like balancing between the performance, um, the maintenance, um, and kind of keeping the historic integrity of, of these Mark I Minis that you're racing? Uh, reliability is defined, as, a, assuming you've got decent components in it. Mm -hmm. um, reliability is defined by uh, a rev limiter. You know, the, a stock crankshaft shouldn't be taken over seven grand. Um, the good motors that I have will run to 8,500. 8,500. Hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> we have a, a joke in, in my kind of friends group is one guy has a, a classic mini pup. I think it's a nine, nine, eight. And he has like his, like his little tack, um, red needle. And it's like set at like 2,500. <laughs> I was like, I think you could go a little bit more than that, man. <laughs> I'm probably calling him out. It's probably like three or four grand, but it's funny. <laughs> We're like, Hey, rev that out a little bit more. <laughs> But you hear, heard it here first, Ricky. You, you know you're okay. Put a rev limiter on it so you don't mess it up. <laughs> is there yeah, anything that that uh, you know the reliability is really defined by how much RPMs you run on it? It really is. If you run it at 6,500, it'll run for three years without touching it, probably. Wow. Um, and uh, it, it it depends on how hard you push it. It's yeah. just that simple. Yeah. Is there anything that you do to kind of keep the historic kind of Mark one, 
uh, like you know it's it's a lot of people like don't cut up a mark one uh, factory you know this that kind of stuff it needs to be look like it came off the showroom for, floor like how do you kind of tiptoe that line well we don't we don't actually cut it up at all um this is not much video in this thing but i'd love to show you a couple of the other cars i may do that take this camera over and show you a couple of other cars um for the most part uh, these they're not cut up at all we don't mm -hmm. have to cut the over in we don't have to do anything special you know this the body that you're seeing behind me is a 1960 body so indeed you have to cut a hole for the ship linkage in that because the 1960 they had a magic wand shifter out the front of the, the floor right but other than that there's nothing you have to do to make them you know we put flares on them because we're all running six inch wheels um but other than that there's no cutting net necessary yeah um, so it, it's all that's it, mostly reversible yeah absolutely absolutely um and my daughter is thinking about taking that waste car of hers and may she may make it back to a streetcar one day she's not ready to give up yet but she's she's not far from it i'm afraid um <laughs> unless i buy it back from her and then i may just keep it as a race car myself um <laughs> but um yeah i mean it, you look over uh, i mean it's, uh, there are vintage guys that are running uh, running vintage cars that have that are highly highly modified um and they'd be very difficult to get back to a street car in my case uh, i have one car that would be tough to make back to a street car but i bought it that way i didn't make it that way mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the, the monte mini it could be a street car any day and you'd have to raise it up because it's too low to the ground but uh, you know in the, the 61 62 63 that's that family of cars that I have, um, all are easily streetable. Um, you know, uh, you know, they don't have windshield wipers on them or anything like that, but you haven't, you haven't lost anything to, to make them a street cars. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and I can kind of see that from, from that perspective, like you're, you're not really, and like you, you kind of mentioned before, you're not allowed to change pickup points and that kind of stuff. So it, right. it kind of makes it easy to kind of stay in the, the guidelines there right right i'm just so gonna walk over. i'm gonna walk over this way a minute oh sure yeah let's see this for you guys that are I'll, watching i can figure out kind of showing us me. how to do this oh uh, yeah this is good, cool not a very good way no? of doing that um, that's okay i'm gonna walk over here though this is the you, you talk about originality i, I got to share this one with you this is um this is the rest of the shop oh wow look at this so many is that a mg there or yeah that's it? a midget yeah a midget that we're working on right sure. but there's the this is the uh, this is the 62 car if i can figure out how to hold this camera right look at that that's awesome and then this one in the corner when i get there <laughs> this one in the corner here i don't know where i'm going to or not this is the monty mini Okay. And you can see yeah, we're, we're running, yeah, where's it at? We're running Weber carburetor. Okay. And uh, originality, that's my, why I started coming. I wanted to come over this way. Oh, I can get this picture taken. Yeah, pretty decent. <laughs> oh, this, wow. This look is, at that. This is the dash in my car. And notice uh, the car that I drive most often, which is uh, the 61. Right. Um, notice the binnacle in the center that looks like an absolutely bone stock binnacle yep uh it isn't but it looks like it 
difference, <laughs> well, the, the difference is the gauges on the either side are two and five eighths instead of two inch. Okay. And what looks to be a speedometer is actually a, the tack. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. It actually, the, the guy that did it, I wish I knew who it was anymore because I can't find him anymore. The guy that did me said he would never do another one. <laughs> uh, Pain in the butt. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a monumental task to do. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I've seen, um, <clears throat> excuse me, watching some of the, the UK mini races, like the Swift Tune stuff. They have in-car footage, and they just have, like, the dat, the tack right in the front. Yep. Um, and their yep. Speedo just is there for show, it looks like. But that's cool. That's a good idea to kind of yeah, 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 a, yeah. attack. Yeah, I would love to do that again. I actually talked to a couple of other people just recently to do it again, but I haven't found somebody willing to do it at a, at a rational price. Yeah, yeah. No one wants to mess with that. <laughs> yeah, well, well you a... know, it's a very technically a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So you kind of showed the Weber carburetor. Um, do most of your cars run SUs, Webers, a little bit of both? Yeah. All, all of my cars run Webers. Um, uh -huh. The... Uh, some of the, the governing bodies would rather have you run SUs, mm -hmm. um, but I've got seven or eight cars and we're running Webers on all of them. And I would tell you that 90% of the cars out there have Webers. Really? Um, well, again, uh, when you're looking for performance <laughs> and, and when you build a motor, you cannot build it. I don't care what you think. You're not going to build two identical motors. And to get them, to get the mess performance out of those, every motor I build goes on a dyno. And to get the best performance out of that, you have to be able to tune the carburetor. Yeah, that makes sense. And tuning an SU is an art that I wouldn't even think I know how to do. <laughs> um, while tuning, uh, I mean, on a streetcar, it's easy. Right. Um, but to, to get that last five horsepower yeah, uh, is not easy. And be able to tune it is critical. And Webers, you can tune. Makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot more tunability to the Webers. Um, my S came with two, um, I think, 45s. And I was looking at them the other day. I've never messed with a Weber before. I was like, wow, came there's a two? lot of different jets and this. Yeah, it came with two. Two. Are they Italian Webers? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, the okay. engine, I think, is a, a plus 20. And um, there's a huge... Uh, Weber bulkhead cutout. So I was thinking he was going to uh, either run a split Weber or or dual. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Air airboxes are frowned upon, but actually, I have airbox in one of my cars. But they call it an airbox. They put a Weber long long center branch Weber manifold on it. Nice. Uh, most most of my cars do not have the cutout, um, simply because they don't want it and. I get good performance out of them without that. So right, right, right. Yeah, I'm probably gonna put the bulkhead back, and I could still run the Weber. Um, I think with the certain manifold, but uh, haven't haven't oh, done yeah, that. Yeah. Absolutely, you can. I mean, uh, all of my cars are all but one have Weber manifolds. It doesn't require the cutting the bulkhead off. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. This guy, I don't know, he just wanted to go big, I guess. <laughs> well, there was there was. Something to be said for having a longer running, a longer runner on the intake manifold. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, to get a Weber to fit in a Mini without that cutout means you have what they're almost a swan neck manifold, which is a difficult one to get decent flow out of. 
Right. Well, so, makes sense. Yeah. I'll dig yeah. it. I'll dig deeper into that later. Maybe I'll, I'll pick your brain when I get to that point. <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay. We uh, touched on earlier. Um, we were talking about, you know, the, you know, the world in general is social media and that kind of stuff. How do you think that um, has kind of affected the classic uh, vintage racing? Have you seen it kind of trickle in at all? Is there less uh, involvement? Um, because I think, I think uh, it's something that a lot of people would enjoy and I'm, uh, and we can kind of touch on, you've mentioned that you rent out your minis and I think that's a great kind of entry uh, for people like me that want to get into it. I just don't know how to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think social media has greatly impacted vintage racing. Um, and obviously I've been doing it for an awful long time and I've seen a, a tremendous amount of change in the, in the, and I'll call it a sport, call it an industry. You know, there are now a couple of companies that uh, are running vintage races for profit. They're no longer just club events. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the group down in your area, Vera and, and CSRG are both club groups. Uh, SVRA, which is a nationwide group, is in for profit. And everything is done for that. But it has grown the vintage race business as a sport tremendously in the last 10 years for sure yeah no that's that's one of the downsides about vintage racing is that the the cars have become so valuable that you know when i first started racing i could i could race against ferrari test roses and uh, lamborghini you know you name it you name it they were out there they didn't care they weren't that expensive you know the, the fellow that i raced with an off the lot Spent $2,500 for his Testarossa. He didn't care. He put it on the track. Now, wow. when, he, when he passed, it was sold for $25 million or something. <laughs> some, some stupid amount of money. Right, but, right. But today, the problem with vintage is that the real historic old cars don't get out very often anymore. Mm-hmm. Because it was too much money. Yeah, and yeah. Collect, collectors have picked them up. And, yeah. and I think that has aided the mini from the standpoint that it is still affordable at some level. Right. Um, and it's a way to get into racing without trying to spend that money on a Ferrari or whatever else. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And that was kind of one thing that, you know, in my head with either one of my minis, I'm like, man, they're going up in value. Obviously it's still very attainable for a lot of people, but then I kind of come back to, well, one of my minis I got for free. The other one I found and I got a deal on it for 1500 bucks. So it's like, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but that's yeah. a dime, but that, you know, those are once in a lifetime type of things. So I, I got really lucky and fortunate for that. But if I ever crashed, I'm like, Oh no, like <laughs> finding it's another all- S would be very difficult. For the most part, they're all fixable. Again, yeah. the one that I did not fix had, uh, it's a long story short, but it, that one wasn't worth fixing. But, you know, <laughs> I, I've wrecked, I've wrecked more than one and, you know, it's just money. It yeah. just takes money. That's, That's true. All. It's only you know, money. <laughs> as you said, you can get every panel in the car. You can yeah. buy a body shop. Um, so, yeah, in that, that was, respect, uh... it's the end of the world. I was sifting through one of the uh, Mark one mini forums and this one guy um, pulled out this old Mark one. I don't remember if it was an S or not, but it was an early Mark one and it was just completely rotted. And I don't know if he actually used a single panel on that car, but he like would take a one piece off, build a jig, 
put a new panel on and kept it. It was just like, so it was yeah. a brand new car on the end. I was like, what would you kept the VIN? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. That's funny. Well, a, a properly restored Mark one Cooper S is worth a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I kind of want to jump back to racing a little bit. Any uh, particular tracks or events that kind of stand out as highlights over your career? You know, my favorite expression is the last one I ran was the best. Um, <laughs> I've been fortunate enough. I've I've run at Spa in uh, Belgium. I've run Wow Grants Hatch. I've run Silverstone. I've run a track in France whose name I can't remember. Uh, I ran in Australia. Um, and they're all super experiences. Everyone's a great experience. Um, you know, I participated at the Monterey historic races for 37 years. Um, and I lived in San Jose at the time. So San Jose, uh, Laguna Seca was my, my home track, if you will. And now I'm up here in, in Northern California further north. And therefore, uh, Sears Point is closer for me than than Lime Rock. Than uh, Lime Rock, <laughs> I've been I did Lime Rock and Watkins Glen too. Anyway, and um, I, you know I don't know. I, it's hard to say which is my favorite track. There are some that are not as nice. I don't particularly like Portland. Um, it's not much of a mini track. Um, I love Lime Rock. That's a long toe. Um, but no, I don't. I can't tell you. There's one favorite track. Did you race minis on all those tracks or different cars? Yeah. Wow, minis. that's cool. That's very cool. And did you yeah. recent, was it last year, the first year, or maybe the second year with the minis and Mustangs? Was that Laguna Seca or? That was Laguna Seca, yeah. Did yeah. you race in that or? Oh, it was my, it was my event. It was my idea. Oh, you, you, you brought that here? That's awesome. I used to watch that yeah. on YouTube. Like, I think it started yeah. in Australia. Yeah, the, the, the organizers of that event, of the velocity event came to me and said, could you put together some minis to come to this event? And of course I could, but I, <laughs> I, I suggested, cause I've run this mini versus Mustang thing. And I think the spa race was mini versus Mustang. Okay. Uh, uh, I've run that before and I suggested to him, let's do something different. And so therefore the mini versus Mustang came about. Oh, so uh, cool. And it is just taken off like, gang fire. I mean, the biggest problem we have is the Mustangs are afraid of us. <laughs> oh, it's so them. cool. It's so we fun to watch. I love it. Yeah. We're going to do it again this year at Sonoma. So, um, last, uh, the first year my son won in, in my 177 car. The next year, uh, the Mustangs took first and second place because the Mustang does have an awful lot of horsepower. Right. And Laguna, and Laguna Seca is, is kind of horsepower. Okay. Um, but, this coming year, we're going to do it at, at Sonoma, Sears Point, and the minis will kill them there. Let's go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I want, really wanted to come last year, and I just had prior obligations. So this year, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of coming yeah. and watching. It's going to be cool. Yeah, plan on it. We we need lots of help in the pits, too. There'll be uh, We should get 20 minis, I would think, easily. Oh, and cool. That, I'm totally down for that. That'd be so much fun. Everybody needs help in the pits, so you can come and help in the pits. Awesome. That's cool. So, uh, we taught, you know, we've obviously talking about tons of minis. You started racing with, um, you know, Porsches and other cars. Is there something that 
what's that it factor that the mini brings that maybe somebody might not know until they like race it or drive it or something like that? What, what was that for you? Oh boy, that was so long ago. I can't remember. I mean, I, I can, I can reflect on a better reflection might be, I've had the opportunity now because I went these cars out to, to have a lot of people experience it for the first time. And I, maybe that's a better thing to share. Mm -hmm. uh, it's absolutely amazing to me. Nobody has ever got into one of these cars and didn't come back and say it's the most fun they've ever had. <laughs> and, and these guys are serious racers. I mean, the guy that drove one of them at that velocity owns the Testarossa, owns this. Owns, I mean, he's just, you know, he raced five different cars that weekend. Uh, and I put him in the Mini, and he says, that's more fun than anything else I've ever driven. <laughs> they are absolute fun, and everybody loves them. I mean, without a doubt, well, I say this with some pride in that, uh, without a doubt, we were the hit of the, the whole Velocity event. Oh, I believe it. I uh, believe it. Just the Minis. Everybody loves the Mini. Everybody loves the Mini. It's so. really hard not to. Yeah, I was really nervous when I got mine, when I finally got it running, that it was, it was going to let me down. I just had it hyped up in my mind for years. You know, I've always wanted the Mini. That's my dream car, cl as cliche as it is, but man and it was it was like it was you know just not set up right it didn't even have a a, a, line, a good alignment yet and i was just like i took one turn i was like wow this is just the biggest smile on my face and then when i got it kind of dialed in was, it just it's the best there's there's so much fun yeah yeah it's true they really are yeah just a fun car to drive it is any uh cool upcoming projects or events um outside the minis mustangs coming up this year well, we're going to do Monterey Historics again, Monterey Reunion again this year. Mm -hmm. um, we've got, um, I'd, I'd like to get back and run Donington in England this year, if I can pull that off. I'm not sure I'll make that happen, but I think I'll try. We're going to go run Indianapolis again. Um, we did that, I don't know how many, three or four years ago now, and managed to win the class, so that was good. Um, other than that, I mean, we got probably going to run 20 events this year, I guess, by the time we're done. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Hopefully I'll uh, be out to at least one of those to kind of support and, and check out you guys racing. It's it's definitely a bucket list of mine. And then uh, maybe I'll rent out there, one of the minis one day. <laughs> there, there are a couple of minis running down in Southern California. Yeah. Uh, Bart Smith is running a car and Graham is running his car. Yep. Heritage Watch guy is running his car. Yep. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple running down there. I think that's the only two that I know of down that neck of the woods. Yeah, I joined the Vera Facebook page and trying to get on those newsletters because I, I really do want to kind of get into it, whether it's autocross or just some sort of event track day type of thing. But, I, you know, it's definitely a yeah, bucket you know, list. And You just mentioned something, track days. That, that's another very strong opportunity today that didn't exist back in the day. Uh, you know, a place like Hooked on Driving has happened to be the one I was associated with for a number of years. Mm-hmm. They provide a track day and in, in, in a lot of the, I don't know about all of them, but at least in Hooked on Driving, which I was uh, participated in, um, they provide instructors and you can take your bone stock streetcar out there and yeah. learn how to race. Um, it, it's relatively inexpensive, a lot cheaper than running a, a vintage race for sure. Right. You can do it on bone stock cars. Most of the cars there are going to be bone stock cars. They're the streetcars. 
Um, yeah, I don't remember what track it is, but I know they do like I think they call it high performance track day or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, yeah, it, you could take whatever car you want. So, um the problem is a lot of it's 2 plus hours for me and I don't have a trailer, so <laughs> driving the mini. <laughs> But, but, but they're street cars. I mean, they'll take street cars, and it's not a big deal. I mean, I have a friend of mine that drives a Miata at those things all the time. Uh, right. Know, it's, just, it's a street car. He drives it here to to uh, have us test something all the time, you know, to, to, I don't know. He's not particularly good mechanic, so he brings it over here for us to work on. And um, But he drives it to the track. You know, he doesn't care. He yeah. drives it again. He drives it to Sears. Um well, Don, I'm not uh, I'm not afraid to drive my Mini. I, I just recently, well, I guess last September, I got back from a road trip. I took it up to Idaho, drove it up to Idaho. We did a little vintage kind of car rally across Idaho, and then I drove it back down the, the coast of California back here. So it was a 3,000-plus-mile yeah. hump. <laughs> yeah, sure. So you could drive it two hours to go to a race. And, and... Yeah, yeah, I'll just have to get up super early or, or the night before, the night before. Night before, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. And Challenge some, accepted. Some of the events are actually two day events. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I think it obviously the fee goes up for two days versus one day. But the nice right. part about it is a lot of the groups will actually give have you have an instructor driving with you for the first half a day and tell you where the apexes are. I'll tell you, That's brake, cool. turn, brake, turn, and accelerate. I'll tell right. you all that all the time. Right. That's cool. Yeah. No, that would be a that would be a blast. It's a, it's a much better way to get into it than autocrossing. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I think autocrossing for me is just kind of like a fun little maybe weekend thing, but the, the track days definitely is a little more up my alley, but. You know, I, I do, I, I've been, I used to go to mini meets all the time. Every, every mini meet ever existed. I went to for years and, and recently I don't remember where it was. I think it was up Northwest meet. I was coming back from a vintage racing, so I had the vintage race car with me. And um, I tried to autocross that, and that was just so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's not set up for an autocross. It's set up for very high-speed stuff. And then you go yeah. into an autocross, it's totally different. I mean, my, my car would do almost 60 miles an hour in first gear. Wow. Uh, so try to autocross that car. It doesn't have anything below... 5,000 RPM. Mine barely does 60 miles an hour in fourth gear. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, Don, you'll have to listen to uh, one of the previous episodes. I uh, interviewed a, a guy from Team Ballylock Classics um, over in Ireland, and they do auto testing. Have you heard of that? It's kind of like yeah. a, yeah, so that is. super, super yeah. interesting. Uh, I was digging that, uh, that whole thing because I, I don't think they really have it here. But um, No, no, they don't. No. Super fun. Well, Don, I know you haven't uh, maybe listened yet, but hopefully you'll be a listener here. We do something at the end of this podcast called the Patty Probe. And just a couple quick questions that I kind of ask everybody. Um, they could be rapid fire. They can You can elaborate a little bit. Just fun little mini questions. The first one is, Don, what is your favorite is it, mini variant? Is it a pass-fail test? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It depends how you answer it, some of them. <laughs> No, I, my favorite probably is still the Moke. The Moke, nice. Definitely, definitely one of my favorites. Very unique. Yeah. Um, this is a uh, a tough one. I don't know if you can count this high, but how many minis do you currently own, and how many have you owned? Well, currently, I think I have ten or eleven. 
but how many I've owned, I can't even come close to. <laughs> That's that, those are goals for a lot of us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, what is your favorite modification um, specifically? I'll ask you specifically for racing that you think makes the biggest difference. Gearbox. Gearbox. You, what do you go straight cut? What, oh anything yeah. Particular. Yeah, Speaking of, I I started pulling my engine yesterday for uh, those gear, those straight cut gears I pulled uh, bought from you the other month. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, but more than just straight cuts, the dog dog engagement straight cuts. Okay, which is which is a step above what you just got. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Uh, wheels ten inch, twelve inch, or thirteen inch? Oh, ten inch. All day. Do you have a favorite All wheel day. model? No, I run a lot of cosmics. I don't particularly like revolutions. Um, I got a couple of mambas too. Probably cosmics are the best. Why do you like that for racing? Yeah, they're relatively light. It's got the proper offset. Okay. I mean, I run spaces anyway, but still. Good enough. Cool. Uh, let's see. What's the most pain in the ass job when you're kind of setting up one of these minis? Is there something that's uh particular difficult or annoying? No, one of the things that, that we do, um, we concentrate on when we build the race car, we concentrate on it, the ease of maintenance of it. You know, we can pull the motor out in less than an hour. We can swap motors in less than two hours. Wow. Um, and you can't do that at a racetrack. And we do that at racetracks. You can't do that at a racetrack unless when you build it, you take that into consideration. Just you the know. simplicity. You kind of simplify some things just so it's... Absolutely simplify it. Make it... And, and all the cars have done the same. All my cars are built... You know, I can swap motors. I can swap anything in those cars between any of the cars. Um, that makes it a whole lot easier. And you, you, you take that... You know, you don't put things in the way when you know, oh, I got to take that out every time I put a motor in and out. You don't do right. that. Right. No. <laughs> you, keep it, you keep it simple. Right. Uh, last one here. If you could have a drink, a beer, coffee, or tea with one mini celeb, in quotes there, um, what, excuse me, who would it be? Got me. I don't know. <laughs> Never, that would be a really off-the-wall question. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Don, um, I appreciate you being on here. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Um, I know, obviously, minimania.com. Is there anything else um, maybe with some of your events coming up? Well, I, I encourage everybody to come at least watch the events if they're not racing in them. You know, we're going to do the CSRG event in couple weeks we do actually in about a month we do csrg about two weeks from now we'll do um the uh, svra at thunder hill then we go back and do another laguna seco event another serious point event and i can't remember what happens after that <laughs> is so it lots, uh, lots of events is it are those listed on mini mania are those on a certain website no, yeah. Yeah, go to go to a site called victorylane.com. Victorylane.com. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a um, online magazine that is dedicated to vintage racing. Okay, victorylane.com. Sweet. All right, and guys. 
it has a worldwide schedule, uh, worldwide, yeah, worldwide schedule on it of events worldwide. Awesome. Cool. Thank you for sharing. And guys, check out Mini Mania. Um, there's classifieds, there's articles, there's tons of stuff on there. Um, so again, Don, thank you so much for being on here and chatting with me uh, and catch you guys in the next one. Yeah.